You're listening to Leadership Powered by Common Sense with your host, Doug Thorpe. Here's Doug. Hello again, everyone. This is Leadership Powered by Common Sense. I'm Doug Thorpe, and today we're going to be talking about performance and team building, and that's a hot topic I know that a lot of entrepreneurs struggle with. My guest is a Mr. J.M. Ryerson. J.M., welcome to the show. Doug, thanks for having me, brother. Great to be here. Yeah, looking forward to this. It's uh, it's a topic area that's a, a, a favorite of mine. And uh, before we really lean in and dive in, tell us a little bit about your background and how you got into what it is you're doing now. Yeah, sure. So I built three companies in the financial service world. And if you ask me any question about financial services, you're asking the wrong guy because I literally, that wasn't my specialty. I knew enough to be dangerous, but what I did know is how to build teams and really, you know, building culture performance. And that's, that's what really got me fired up. And so uh, let's go when was my fourth company and it happened by accident. Honestly, I wrote the first book for my kids and it was called let's go win keys to living your best life. And the whole idea was to help them not skin their knees as many times as I did growing up. And it launched into, Hey, can you coach my son to lose 80 pounds? Yeah, I could do that. Can you Coaches, PGA golfer. Yeah, I could do that. And so what I found, brother, I'm just passionate about performance. I'm passionate about teams working together. And so, uh, you know, doing the podcast, doing the coaching, it's it's just, it's what I love to do. Every single day I get to work with people on living their best lives. I can't think of a better way to do it. So where do you think that gift or that superpower came from for you? Uh, well, that's a good question. Honestly, I, I, I obsess over reading. And so uh, I think so many authors have brought so many things together and I don't just read on just one subject. I like to really see all of it. The other thing I will say, you know, superpower is such an interesting word because we do have gifts that we're given. And, and one of the things that I do is I simplify everything and so when it comes to performance or when it comes to teams, that's really what I do is I simplify this whole idea so everybody can be clear on what we're doing, rowing the boat in the same direction and not have so many balls in the air going, trying to juggle all these things. It's I, I think if someone were to say, what do you do? Well, that's what it is. It's just simplify so that you can implement a system that you can continue to use and get better and better because it's not so, there's just, it's not so complex. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that's why you and I resonated when we first met, because that's been one of my passions is trying to bring some simplicity to a very complex world. I, um, you know, name of the show here, leadership powered by common sense. Well, let's take a look at a big hairy problem and break it down into its common sense elements. And let's see what we really have. And like my brothers out in West Texas say, the problem is not the problem. And usually that's true in business. When, when you're feeling a challenge or a bind or you're, you're surprised by something, nine times out of 10, what you think the obvious problem is, is probably not really the problem. So I think it does get into a lot when we are talking about businesses, we're usually talking about team elements and team issues. 
And that's one of the first things entrepreneurs struggle with is the idea of giving up some control as they bring people onto the team. You know, people can't do it like I do it. They, they're not going to get it. I don't think I've got enough time to train them and all this, all this head trash that goes on about why not. How do you try to break through that to get somebody to visualize what their highest performance can might be about? Yeah, it's so interesting when people have that controlling, no one does it as well as me. And because that's really all it is, is a form of control. And look, I understand. I've said the same thing. It doesn't get done as well unless I do it. Well, the problem with that is you're really limiting how how far you can ever grow because you can you only have 24 hours in a day. So you can't be doing all of it if you really want to scale your business. So the first thing to that, that idea of I, it doesn't get done well unless it's done by me, you don't have all the answers. No one that I've ever met has all the answers. And man, what a boring way to live if you did. But if you really wanted to increase your business, when you empower somebody, when you say, hey, this is what I want to have happen, and you let their minds get creative and really thrive, that's where amazing ideas come from because they're coming from a different lens, a different background. They're coming with a different idea than you had. A lot of times they're going to do it better than you did. You just, the whole idea is if it's not broke, don't fix it. It's that's where people get stuck. And it's like, what if it could be better? What if you're just willing to let go and just trust the process and say, if I hired the right person, they could do it better than I can. And that's when you see teams really perform because again, you use the word superpower. We all have gifts and whatever gift it is, you're probably good in these areas, but there's others that you're not. That's where you fill those gaps. You have those amazing teammates and let go. Yeah. And I think right there is where we start to see the challenge of owners of businesses looking at things from a management perspective versus a leadership perspective. If you're locked in on management, you're, you're still really holding on tight, white knuckle tight to that control of the business. Whatever your idea is, maybe, maybe, it's, maybe it's patented. Maybe it is some secret sauce you're trying to do. Well, you know, unless you're the guy that stirs the formula for Coca-Cola, guess what? It, what you got going on is, is probably ultimately not that special <laughs> and I, no disrespect, but giving other people a chance to help you execute and expand. That's where the leadership comes in is to your point, looking for talents that people might have that can be used in other ways, or just giving them the rope to let them exercise and bring up their own superpower to the, bring that to the dance. Yeah. And we've seen that over and over recently, you know, look at the Steve jobs, Elon Musk, um, you know, Google, you look at these companies and it's, you don't see Elon Musk putting the car together. He had an idea and then this vision was awesome and amazing. And then he brought some amazing minds together to say, oh, we can make this a reality. Everyone was calling him crazy, by the way. Yeah. I've never seen Elon actually go ahead and put the, the car together. That's not, that's not the way it works. He simply had the vision and then empowered his folks to fulfill that vision. And we've heard that back, you know, Henry Ford, when he was doing that with Ford and any successful company, 
that's what they do is they, that's leadership is truly allowing those to flourish. Other examples in the car industry, Lee Iacocca didn't let anybody flourish and look at how that ended. It didn't end well because he wouldn't relinquish any control. His ego was so big. And so it's, it's one of those things. If you really want to thrive and have an amazing life, let go and let those talented people around you show their gifts off. Yeah. You know, a lot of can be said same of Jack Welsh at GE. You know, there are, there's been a whole lot of pros and cons written about his legacy there. On the upside, you know, he became the big champion for Lean Six Sigma, and that has taken over so many different industries and, and for good, you know, to to create good outcome. That idea of squeezing out imperfection in our process so that we can be repeatable, reliable, sustainable, and, and scalable. Uh, those were great things, but boy, some of his ideas about people and how to do, you know, every year we're going to cut 10%. I don't care who they are, you know, that kind of a mindset. Um, that uh, that didn't bode well in the long run. Yeah, and, and there's one happening right now, and he's an incredible leader or performance driver, I'll say, Howard Schultz. Starbucks, when he is there, they are crushing it. When he stepped away, they really got hurt. Now, does that mean he's an amazing leader? And I'm not, look, I don't know the man. I would love to have a conversation. But when you leave and your business goes down, in my opinion, you really have failed in leadership because you didn't empower those to step up. That means you have a job where you have to be there every single day. That's not a leader, in my opinion. A leader lifts others up to see the vision and take it even bigger. And you saw that with Microsoft, with the newest CEO, he's done a great job. But when Balmer was in place at Microsoft, horribly done. And again, it was all due to control. And it, it is a fascinating sub subject, Doug, because the ego does some amazing things and some amazingly creative things, some really horrific things as well. And so there's so many interesting case studies on if your company only succeeds while you're there, are you really leading? Yeah. Yeah. No, you're, you're absolutely right. So let's, so let's talk about when, when the, your phone rings and some owner says, Hey, JM, I need some help with my team. How do you typically start with them? Where, where do you go? What are the kinds of questions you're asking them? Yeah, I always start with the same one. I say, great, you know, so nice to hear from you. Let me ask you, what's your culture? And then if they can't succinctly tell me like that, I know that we have an issue. Now, I'll typically get on with another executive and ask the same question. And 99% of the time, Doug, I'll get a different answer what the culture is. Then I'll ask another executive, same thing. And so what I start with every company is if you're not really clear, I mean, everyone knows exactly what that culture is, what you stand for, how, how you show up in the business, how you are allowed to behave. If you don't know it in your own executive team, how could you expect anyone on your team to know it? And I've made that mistake, by the way. I was on stage one time, we had six core values and I'm up there and I'm going you know, there's about 1500 people in the crowd and I got to the fifth value and I went blank. Now <laughs> I was one of Oops. the guys that wrote the values. Oops. I was in that yeah. room. Yeah. 
And so it was a really good lesson for me to learn because once I got off stage, I started asking people if they knew our values. And the only other people that knew them were the guys and gals in the room that that wrote the values that day. It was a good lesson. And once we went down to three core values, I did the next year similar speech, did the same informal pull off off stage, and 90% of the people knew our core values because we were so upfront. We talked about it openly. So when executives call me, it's the first question. And it's a loaded question because the majority of companies aren't clear. No matter how great their mission statement sounds, the vision statement, if you're not clear on what your culture is, typically your hiring practices won't be in line the way you want them to. People won't have clarity where they're going. And so that's really where I start. Yeah. I think that's really important. And it, it is, to me, it's a conundrum of an idea because back to what we were saying a minute ago about owners wanting control, I think a lot of the reasons they want that control, they think their vision of what has to be done is what needs to be protected. So they want to hold on to that control, but they're not doing a good job of explaining what that vision really is about and what they want to do, what it needs to be done with it. I uh, I engaged with an, an owner a couple of years ago, and then uh, the first time I went on site with him, we were talking, and I said, uh, so what do you really want to accomplish with this business here? What's your you know end game? And he said, I don't want to lose money. And I said, what? <laughs> I said, uh that's your goal. That's your vision, you know? And he said, yeah, I don't want to lose any money. I said, I think that's table stakes. I, I think that's a, that's a given. Come on. You, you know, are, are you a little more creative? What really seriously, what do you want to create here? He said, I just want to do what we do and I don't want to lose any money. Hmm. And I said, man, we got a long way to go here with this thing. Not exactly inspiring the troops, you know, no, and, and, uh, I'm not even going to name what it was they were doing. I, I don't want to disclose anything, but I will tell you that after about a year of banging my head against that wall, we, we didn't make any progress because he never moved off that, that idea. He, he, he couldn't get inspired in his own head about possibilities and ideas. And it just never really went anywhere. I mean, if you think about how crazy that is to just say that aloud, it's it, you think of these businesses that have gone out of business because the blockbusters of the world is the famous example where we're not going to change. Damn it. We're, we're, we're going to stay exactly the way we are. Well, Netflix didn't even really exist. Yeah. They were willing to have a vision and they, by the way, they were mailing out the discs of some of those people. If you don't recall, then they started the streaming all because they were willing to adapt and change. So the vision of, I don't want to lose money. There's no vision. That's, that's so crazy, but it, it's not the first time I've heard it, Doug, and it probably won't be the last time. No kidding. Well, I'll tell you what, JM, we're up on a break point here. We're going to take a small pause, uh, drop a commercial message in here, and then we're going to be right back. So hang with us, everybody. Business is all about solving complex problems as fast as you can create them. Become the best problem solver by leading others to greatness too. And the first step is going to DougThorpe.com. Doug Thorpe is known globally for coaching entrepreneurs and business leaders, improving their performance and the work output of everyone surrounding them. You can find health, wealth, and happiness by learning to lead others to health, wealth, and happiness. 
Go to DougThorpe.com now and order Doug's books or hire him to coach your managers. That's Doug, T-H-O-R-P-E.com. All right, everyone, we're back. This is Leadership Powered by Common Sense. I'm Doug Thorpe, and today I'm visiting with uh, J.M. Ryerson. We're talking about team performance and leadership. Uh, I, I do want to touch on, J.M., if you try to explain to a client what leadership ought to be about, what do you, what do you tee up for them? What kind of picture do you share? Yeah, there's two things that I say continuously, and one is not mine. It's it's John Maxwell, and leadership is influence. I think the way he defined that, I don't know if you can do it better because it, it truly is what leadership is all about: is influencing those around you. And if you're walking by yourself, you're you're really not leading anyone, right? You're just out for a walk. The other one that I say, and this is the one that. I really hope resonate with the leaders I work with. And it's when I know we're starting to get somewhere. And that is, it's not about you. Mm -hmm. That idea, because I've seen more really, really smart people lose momentum when they make it about themselves, when they need the credit and they take credit away from their team. It's about the most destructive team, destructive thing that you can do to a team. Because people, the number one reason people aren't satisfied in, in, in their work today is lack of recognition. Gallup did a poll, 71% of employees are currently disengaged. And the number one reason is recognition. And it's so simple, Doug. It's crazy. This is the one where I'm like, guys, it doesn't cost you any money. It takes virtually no time and about zero energy to, to just say, thank you to say, you're doing a great job. I see you and I appreciate you. So the the acronym I use that people feel free to use it is EPR, encourage, praise, recognize. On a daily basis, that's what you're looking to do as a leader is just encourage people if they need that support or even if they don't, if they're just doing, hey, great job. Praise them for doing a great job and just recognize the fact. <clears throat> and I appreciate how much effort you're putting in and I just appreciate you as, as a person, a part of our team. I, I really appreciate that thought. And I'll, I'll maybe bump it one step further back to what we were saying a minute ago. If the owner is worried about his team not achieving the vision, one way you get there is that positive recognition when you see people moving on the vision. When somebody's doing something that's supporting your vision, boy, that ought to be an automatic, that positive reinforcement of, you know, way to go, JM, way to go, Judy, way to go, Sally. You know, that's that's what we're trying to do. Good job. You know, that's that's it right there. And, and sorry, I, it's, it's just fascinating because they work on incentives and contests and all these things, spending money when the truth is you, you the easy one is just, hey. High five, pat on the back. Yeah, yeah. What do you say to the people that have the kind of business that has been impacted and, you know, a majority of their workforce is remote, so you don't have that high five, pat on the back moment to be able to to give out that kind of recognition? Yeah, this is a big one right now, Doug, as, as you know, with the pandemic and, and being a part, really checking in on someone to, just to say, hey, how, how are you? How are you and your family doing? Because so frequently people just feel like a number, a cog in the wheel. And if you say, you know what, Doug, 
how, how are you doing? You and your family, are you guys all right? How's, how's your son or daughter or whatever, you know, their dog, the family genuinely caring about the other person on the other side of the screen to say, you know what? I see you. I know we've gone through some tough times and I genuinely care about you. That is the most impactful thing you can do to continue to foster the culture that you had in person. Because when we get disconnected, that's a, an emotion. And the challenge that you have through a screen is you have things blocking our hearts because what we're truly trying to do is connect heart to heart with another human being in any relationship on any team. And so if you just take that extra time to say, I just want to see how you were doing, not how your performance is in the job, start with that. And it's amazing how quickly they'll start to open up, especially if they're having a struggle, you share one with them. Next thing you know, it's like, oh, JM is human. He's not just at leader or whatever title you have. JM is a, a person with real problems and real challenges, just like me. Yeah. I did some work even before the pandemic and before all our mindsets changed uh, about work, but I was dealing with an environment where the company was heavy skewed to engineering and high tech and uh, production and manufacturing kind of mindsets. So it was pretty process oriented. Everything had a process, everything had a checkpoint, everything had a gauge on it. Um, and as they were doing engagement surveys with their employees, the number one wish list item that employees had was, I wish I knew my boss was relatable, mm. you know? And so you're, you're talking about a boss that themselves, he or she is an engineer and probably a licensed engineer and uh, very typically always score on the introvert scale on any personality measures and all of that sort of thing. So the idea of opening up and having that, how's your family? How was your weekend? What did the kids do? You know, all that kind of discussion felt really foreign and awkward to them. But we, through a series of coaching and engagement, we worked really hard on understanding the value of that and the significance of it. And when we went to managers with those results, they actually said, you know, I think the same thing about my boss. <laughs> and it's like, okay, here we go. You know, now, now we're getting to the point of truth here. Let's uh, let's shift gears a little bit. Let's talk about performance and creating an environment of wanting to hit some goals and measures, but not making it a, I'll use the word sweatshop, or not making it an unpleasant crack the whip kind of environment. What do you see best practices for helping make that happen? The first thing is getting real clarity around what we're doing and why are we doing it? And it's amazing when you'll talk to somebody, well, we make X widget. Why? What is the importance? And there's always a story. There's a really impactful story that if every company would just share why they created that widget, because it saved someone's life, it, it does this, there's always the story. And that story connects the, the employee to, wow, my job is so much bigger than just hitting this button making sure that this goes across the assembly line. No, there's a reason that you do this one thing. And so when you get clarity around that and the why, 
people will absolutely fall in love with that. The second thing is celebrate. If you want to create some momentum, just celebrate some wins. I'm not talking about hitting the the goal. I'm talking about every time you hit that step, just saying, hey, you know what? I, I'm proud of you. Great job. It can be that simple. If it's a big project, taking them out and spending time with them. One of the most simple things that I do, and again, I'm speaking when we're in face-to-face, but getting together, I have people at my home all the time. And the reason I do that, it's the most intimate thing that I can do to bring them into my safe space and let them really get to know me. So when it comes to that performance, when they know, back to the thing you were talking about with the engineers and relate relatability, it's no longer JM as this person. He is, JM has two kids and a, and a wife, and he lives here, and he loves pickleball or golf or whatever thing you're into that's when performance really starts to take off. So it's funny, we keep going back to performance, but it's always going to go back to the emotion because if you want to move a mountain, it won't be through facts and figures. It'll be through emotion. And that's how when you're working with a team, there's a team dynamic and you just have to figure out what is the emotional piece? How can we incentivize everyone to really rally behind this cause? And typically it's a story and something that incentivizes them uh, more than just that. Yeah. Well, and as you look across your company or your team, you, you do have expectations on what you would like people to do. I mean, there's should have been a reason you hired everybody into every position they are in. And with that expectation comes some notion of accountability and accountability has become such a negative word in the minds of really everybody, every manager I know that I talk to hates to talk about it because inevitably their mind quickly goes to that negative coaching session or counseling session where they've got to, you know, rail on an employee about something. And what do you think is the, is the way to go to, to have, fulfillment of expectation without all the negatives that go with the, what we've let happen to accountability. Yeah. It's really a fascinating idea that, that accountability does have that negative rap because it does. When I think of it, I think of my dad because, and my mom, but certainly my dad drove this home, do what you say you're going to do. Very simple. That's, that's what I think of accountability, but here's, here's the, the trick. If people don't know exactly the expectation of them, the fear of the unknown is actually the biggest challenge. So if in the beginning, you're not extremely explicitly clear on what the expectations are, that's when the frustrations happen. And so it's just interesting to me is I'll ask some executive like, okay, you're frustrated with Bob because Bob's not hitting his quota. How frequently do you check in with Bob? Well, you know, I monthly, quarterly, it's like, how do you know if Bob knows what he's doing? How do you know if Bob needs support? Maybe Bob's taking care of a sick mother at home. Here's what I know about people. No one wants to underperform at their job. No one comes to their job and says, I want to suck today. That's just not the way it works. People want to perform, but they have to know exactly what they're performing at. And then check in at a minimum weekly just to say, hey, Bob, how's it going? Do you need any support from myself, 
from anyone on the team. So then Bob feels like, okay, yes, I do. I'm missing something here. And then once that's attached, it's amazing. It's like, oh, Bob figured it out. And now Bob's flourishing again. So it is interesting, Doug, when people don't check in, and I don't know why that is, because it's not micromanagement. It's simply checking in to say, hey, how are you? How's the project coming? Do you need any support? Do you have any questions? Are you clear on what we're doing? If you do that weekly at a minimum, Bob's going to do a better job for you and you won't have those frustrations. Back to my story of the guy that didn't want to lose money. He um, he had hired a, a junior technician to join his team. Uh, and this kid was right out of college. And by all indications, very sharp kid, well accomplished in his schooling and everything. But he was new to this business and new to this way of delivering service. And apart from the very basic onboarding, like here's your desk, here's your password, and here's your computer, there was no other indoctrination or, or scoping for this kid to, to get a foundation. And, uh, you know, I said, I hung around with these guys for about a year and I kept saying, um, you got to train this kid, you know, you got to show him what you want to do. And you've got wonderful experience and wisdom about this business. And if you want to grow this thing, you need to pour some of that into this kid. He's got all the upside potential. And, you know, again, this owner was kind of like, eh, yeah, if he needs anything, he'll come find me. Well, okay. Okay. So now we, we really turn on the spigot to tell this kid, if you've got a question, you got to peg this guy. You got to get on his calendar, get some time and get, well, you know, the frustration just started mounting because he would try, you know, oh, he's not going to be in today. It's Monday. He's going to work from home. Okay. Well, I can't talk to him then Well, Tuesday. Well, he's in, but he's making up for what he didn't do yesterday. And now he's, you know, and blah, blah, blah. It just went on and on and on. It's like, man, that is no way to run a railroad. You've got this, you know, diamond in the rough in a resource. And to your point, this kid didn't want to suck. He wanted to learn. He wanted to keep growing. And, uh, you know, just the environment was not conducive for that. Yeah, it's unfortunate, but it's, it's also unfortunate how frequently you see it. And it's like, so I'm doing something right now with the company and it is awesome. Reverse mentoring where when you bring in the the newer person with their lens is way different than let's say a 20 year old to a 60 year old they've seen the world in a different way since since they've been raised and this 20 year old has as much to give the 60 year old and that's where the people think of mentoring well it's always the the veteran speaking down to the younger no the 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 younger one they, they think differently. They can use some of the technology faster. So yes, you have the knowledge of the industry, but they have knowledge of the world that you want and need. And it is awesome, Doug. I mean, I'm just watching these teams come together. And again, everybody's starting to win. And now it doesn't feel like the mentor is doing all the work. He's getting as much value as the newer person in. So it's a brilliant idea. And I, I don't recall where I got it from, but man, it is working just amazing with companies. That's a very good point. And there are a lot of companies that are still in that transition period where 
the baby boomers are uh, one foot out the door toward retirement and, um, um, and, and even right behind them, you know, the, uh, Gen Xers are, are kind of going, well, you know, I'm getting up there and I'm, I'm starting to wonder about my next step. And you got all this incredible talent and you, you sound like you may be a little bit like me. I'm a contrarian on this generational war that's in the workplace. I, if I have an HR person or an executive come to me and say, I just hate having to deal with this. It's such a pain, you know, tell me what to do. And, and, what I'll say is you need to strap on. These are, these are just people. I said, you know, and when you were that age, you looked as weird to your 50 year old boss as they look to you right now. And I guarantee you that's true. And you made it through, you figured it out. And, you know, if you're the leader now in this company, you've got to just, you need to go learn you turn on some of that reverse mentoring, you know, ask them to explain it to you. Don't just condemn it, but ask them to explain it to you. You know, okay. How does all this stuff work? You know, show me uh, how you are doing that and show me how you're thinking about that. And why don't emails work for you? Like they work for me. <laughs> I heard that one the other day. Somebody said they've got a half their team that hates email they, they don't even want to talk on email and, and he's, he's just, you know, it's like mind blown. He doesn't know what to do. Yeah, it is. I mean, look, you can fight it or you can really just accept the fact that we all have different backgrounds and lenses. And if you generalize any one generation as X, you're, you're just making a mistake. Look, yes, this is their experience, but my, my 99 year old grandmother, she's better at social media than I am. And I'm 44. So you can learn to do these things if you have an open mindset. And that's all we're talking about is, look, veterans and young bucks, be open to both mindsets and just be willing to grow. When you're uncomfortable, that's when we're growing. And you know you've heard it before. It won't be the last time you hear it. When you're uncomfortable, you're growing. So congratulations. Yeah. Well, what I use as a as a reference point when I have these contrarian discussions about generations, I I don't have it here handy, else I'd, I'd quote from it. But Henry David Thoreau, in the preface to his book, Walden Pond, wrote a, a piece that you would call the manifesto of the millennial generation. If you just read the words and you didn't know it was Henry David Thoreau, you would say, that's our millennials today. That's that's what they do. That's how they think. Well, guess what? Thoreau wrote that in 1837. <laughs> and so the mindsets about, you know, younger people or you know, the way younger people were looking at older people, it, it, it happens in every generation. That's my point. Yeah, it does. It absolutely does. Yeah. So, um, JM, I tell you, we're about up on time here. Tell everybody the best way to get a hold of you if uh, something you've said has, has piqued an interest in them and they want to get a hold of you. Yeah, thank you, Doug. I appreciate it, man. I love this conversation and I'm so glad to be having it with you. Uh, you can reach me at uh, Let's Go Win 365 on any social media platform. For those that love that, uh, Let's Go Win podcast is, is another place. And then let's go win.com where 
I, you know, I do a, a blog with articles that are, that are free to, to everyone. So I, I love connecting with other people. I'd love to hear from you. So uh, please look me up and, and hit me up and you will be hearing back from me personally, not just some bot. Yeah. Yeah. Well, folks, all that info will be in the show notes and please uh, check that out and know that uh, JM's a, a great head and mind in this area. And uh, like I told you, I, I think he and I connect well because we love that idea of creating clarity, creating simplicity and, and breaking down complex things so people can perform at a higher level. So again, JM, thanks for being on the show. Thank you, Doug. It was a pleasure, man. I really had a good time. Thank you. You bet. You bet. And I do want to remind everybody, if you're listening to this off your favorite podcast service, we do have a video version over on YouTube. It's a channel by the same name, Leadership Powered by Common Sense. When the show drops, the video drops as well. So uh, there is an archive and collection over there if you want to go hop in and check us out there. Please leave us a comment. Give us some uh, feedback on how we're doing and what we're doing. And uh, I tell everybody I'm a big boy. If you don't like something, tell me. We'll deal with it. We'll uh, try to adjust. I'm on a perpetual course correction. So uh, happy to get that feedback from you. And more importantly, if you've got an idea, you yourself or someone you know ought to be a guest on the show, let us know. We'd love to chat with you and pick you up and uh, get you on uh, the new episode. But it's hard to believe we're coming up on 2023. And wow, this is um, it, it's flown by this year. And I'm sure next year we'll do the same. But uh, for now, we're going to say goodbye. Thank you for listening in. Look forward to seeing you. You've been listening to Leadership Powered by Common Sense, hosted by Doug Thorpe. If you would like to know more about the coaching and advisory services he provides, visit DougThorpe.com.